the Connect Together podcast, brought to you by the Industrial Solutions Network, by CED. And uh, this is going to be a little bit different podcast. We're going to uh, reach out and get a bunch of our technical consultants all across the country on the line to talk about a few things they uh, saw at Automation Fair uh, back in November in Houston. Uh, cool things from their um, specialties that they thought were cool and new that could be a big part of smart manufacturing and your facilities uh, moving into 2018. So, you know, the new buzzword of smart manufacturing, it's not just a buzzword. This is the real deal. This is where things are going and getting the data, connecting all your machines and operations together, controlling your plant from anywhere, reducing your energy, all this stuff is where things are going in the future. And if you're not getting there, uh, someone else is, and they could be, you know, competing better than you in the marketplace. So, um, you know, we're going to explore a lot of different products, uh, get different perspectives and different parts of the facility uh in on this call and podcast. Um, so I think it's going to be cool. Um, I'm going to learn a lot. Hopefully you guys learn a lot and, uh, um, we'll know what to do in 2018, at least the products to look at if you can. So a lot of these products we're going to talk about, I'm going to, uh, also provide the links, uh, uh, in a post and on the podcast itself. So you can explore for yourself a little bit more data and see if it fits into your operation and, and maybe you'll find an application where any one of these products will, you know, help you, you know, create a better process, produce more, produce it cheaper and more effectively. Um, so we're going to take a little break and then get our first specialist on the line. So stay tuned, enjoy, and I'll be back. Welcome to uh, the Connect Together podcast. I'm Justin Brunken, your your host for the evening, and uh, now we have on a Bill Schmidt, who is our technical consultant out of Nebraska, who specializes in uh, you know I/O, information software, controllers, probably everything under the sun because the guy's a genius. Um, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the podcast, Bill. How are you doing? So uh, I'm good. Good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we just had, so this podcast is going to be focused on all the cool stuff, all the new stuff from uh, Automation Fair uh, this last year in um, Houston. And so since you are our specialist in information software, controllers, all that good stuff, I know I know AB had a lot of new stuff. Um, you know, one thing you mentioned was new controller con- Control logics, compact logic safety controllers. AB comes out with like new co- compact logics, control logics all the time. What's so special about this new one, if anything? Um, so you're right. Uh, I mean, uh, product life cycles are becoming faster and faster to market. Um, so uh, with with this with this lineup, what's going to be new um, is kind of Rockwell's evolution into incorporating safety into literally everything so i like to i like there's this movie called demolition man with love that uh, movie by the way i think and one of the things in there is uh hey in the future all restaurants are taco bell (laughs) well in rockwell's eyes all controllers in the future are safety controllers Hmm. and and they're they're taking some steps to, to move in that progression so in the compact compact logics world um we the latest generation is the the 5380 series, and so later this year they'll be releasing a safety controller in that platform. Um, then for the first time ever, we're actually going to have local chassis safety I/O. Um, all of Rockwell's safety I/O in the past has always been distributed. So you have your your main safety controller in the main rack but you could never add safety I.O. in that same rack. It was always distributed. And there was lots of reasons for that. Um, 
now the technology's progressed to where now for the very first time, um, local safety I.O. In, in the same chassis with the compact logic. So that's, that's really exciting on our end. That's something new and different. Um, so, along that same line, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so what makes it safe? If, it, if they're focusing on safety and everything's going to have, every controller is going to have the safety aspect to it, what makes it so safe? Yeah, you know, really, it's very simple. If it's got a red color on it, that, that's what makes it safe. As soon as they paint it red, that makes it safe. That's what a lot of people keep coming to us like. As soon as they paint it red, is that all that makes it safe? And, and there's a ton of stuff that goes in behind it to make it that way. So we have a lot of products that have red on them. And, um, and they may not look a lot uh, different from our regular products, but there is a ton under the hood that, that makes them different. There's uh, reliability, redundancy, um, uh, a lot of regulations have to be met. A ton of testing and compliance has to go into it. So there's a lot, a lot that goes into them. And and the cost difference between a regular controller and a safety controller these days is becoming almost non-existent. Here again, going towards that future goal of Rockwell to have all controllers be safety controllers. There's really no differentiation. And the, the, the amount of savings to wire up a safety system to just run a, like an Ethernet cable to it directly and not have to hardwire all those um, systems that we had in the past. There's there's a lot of savings from troubleshooting and reliability as well as just cost savings and in installation. So it's a win-win-win-win-win kind of thing. So you mentioned um, uh, integrating the the I.O. into this uh, controller. So you mentioned I.O. Flex 5000, something new. Um, yep, they so deem it the next gen. There. Right? So what is that? Yep. So Flex.io has been around forever. It was one of Rockwell's first um, distributed I.O. functions was with Flex.io. Um, it's, I always get asked by uh, numerous people, people love Flex.io. They say, hey, when's Flex.io going away? It's really old. And the answer is it's, it's not going away anytime soon. However, with progression, um, Rockwell this year is releasing Flex 5000, which is the next generation for the Flex IO platform, and it is quite amazing. Actually, um, it does a lot of cool stuff that we haven't had in the past. Things like um, being able to remove those Flex IO modules under power, so it's meant to be in a 24/7 reliable situation. You don't have to power it down to do maintenance and, and stuff like that to it. Um, they're going to have integration for gigabit Ethernet on it, both copper or fiber. Um, that's pretty impressive. Some advanced network topologies that Rockwell's getting in, like parallel redundancy. Um, and uh, just uh, really, it, it, all of the Flex I.O. And, and all the I.O. platforms like that have a lot of different ratings associated with them for you know, environmental temperatures and vibration and stuff like that. And, and they went to the next level with the Flex 5000 family, so it will be even more reliable. Or, or, or. So <laughs> it's going to be very impressive. I love new words. Um, so I, I would expect someday once Flex 5000 takes over the world, then, and no one buys regular Flex IO anymore, at that point Rockwell will, will, will try to transition that. But I don't see that for a long time. But you never know. It just is a function of how fast people adopt to the new stuff. So You heard it here first, Phil Schmidt, <laughs> taking over the world. Um, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it said something with higher speed and increased bandwidth. I mean, what does that matter? Well, or does it? Um, you know, it's one of those things where um, back in my day, I never thought I'd ever see gigabit Ethernet on any sort of control system. I just thought, oh, that's just completely insane. It's just too fast. We'll never, we'll never have any, any need for it. And lo and behold, that day has come already. We have gigabit stuff because Ethernet is um, everywhere now, and, and it just becomes so easy to integrate it, and there's so much focus now on data analytics, getting the information of things out and being useful information, and that all consumes bandwidth. And, and that's why we just, you know, supply and demand. The demand is going up, so we need to be able to supply it, gigabit, this faster performance. That's, that's how Rockwell's meeting that. And, and not by increasing cost. Um, if they're doing it for, you know, the, the often 
releasing it uh, much better performance at a lower cost point. So it's uh, it's good stuff to talk about because there's there's uh, no downside. Interesting. So you know. Coupling that with the controller and the IOFlex 5000, you got the you know the visual aspect that's on the end of that, um, the HMI versus View 5000. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, it's just a screen. I mean, I don't, I'm, I mean, what makes that, what makes this version so much better than any other screen that you can touch and you know control stuff? Um, so uh, here again, uh, Rockwell. Um, is is growing that market and one of the the growth functions that they were able to do was through an acquisition of um acp acp thin manager thin manager software um uh, allows you to have what's called a thin client a thin client is a really very inexpensive very low um, performance and usually everything we talk about is oh we have to have high performance high performance this high performance that and now we've just switched gears and said, no, we want a really low-performance object out there. What does that mean? So what that means is um, this little box, this thin client, it has no hard drive in it. It has a little bit of RAM and a little bit of CPU. And that's all it needs because all of the horsepower is running back on a, a centralized uh, HMI server, now running like a factory talk view site edition software. And then just out at the client location, the actual place where the operator is going to be using it, um, it may be a harsh environment, it may be a clean environment, but from a reliability standpoint, this thin client is extremely reliable. There's no moving parts. There's no sand to turn to cool it down because of its low consumption. So the cost of that guy becomes really low. On top of that, if you need to, um, if it does fail, um, it's not waterproof. Maybe the operator poured his coffee cup in it. Who knows? Um, that happens got, a lot. Everything fails eventually, I've heard. <laughs> and so uh, swapping it out becomes super simple. It is truly plug and play. You just unplug it, plug in the new one. The system automatically sees the new unit and reestablishes the connection to it, gives it all the information it needs automatically. So. Super simple swap out. Tons of time savings there. So super low cost point to get into it, super low cost point to maintain it. So how can you argue with that? <laughs> so it's not really it's not really about the screen itself, but the integration of the thin manager with it. Say that again, I'm sorry. So it's not really about uh, just the screen itself, it's the integration with thin manager. True. Yeah, for that. For the for the thin clients, the integration with thin thin manager is the kind of the big fat easy button for HMIs. Um, it really does make it plug and play, which is nice. So, in addition to that, we we still have customers who um, don't go down that road for any number of reasons. And so, we have our traditional what we call thick clients, where they actually have a hard drive and media, and you install the software out on there. And in this new platform, the Versity Five Thousand series um, has some different. Nice features to it. Um, it's a very small form factor package for a standalone PC. Um, it has a nice line of different sized um, uh, monitors that can be panel mounted um, or desk mounted. Um, a lot more uh, larger sizes and widescreen displays, um, multi touch options. Um, so, very high tech. Um, nice screens. And then, of course, you can make the two together, and you have an integrated version, which has both the, the monitor and the PC in one unit for those customers who, who want just that, that one whole piece and want to individualize it. So a lot of different options depending on what the customer wants and needs. Cool. So, you know, everyone is moving to uh, smart manufacturing, and that is the, the buzzword uh, around automation. Automation fair and now and where most of these facilities probably need to be going to help modernize. So, so from what you saw at Automation Fair, what's you know what does smart manufacturing mean in your realm of the controllers, uh, I/O and uh, HMIs, and how does that affect the customer? So, um, we're at a point with smart manufacturing that um, the days of of manual. You know, islands of automation where it's not connected to anything. It, it just runs its own little thing. Uh, the 
the business system generates a paper report and they walk it down and distribute it to the supervisors who distribute it out through operations and maybe they have a, a separate terminal to key in uh, order progression and, and things like that. Um, it's a manual setup to readjust the machinery to get it to be configured for what they're going to run um, this run or next run or next product versus last product. Um, today, with the modern manufacturing and all these smart machines, first off, those islands go away, and we interconnect everything with Ethernet. Um, and and down to even the getting information from individual sensors and, and knowing what's going on there so that the sensor can tell you before it fails, hey, I'm starting to fail. Um, uh, uh, we're making uh, pot pies, and <laughs> and some of it splattered onto my my photo eye, and it's starting to fade. It's not fading yet, but I know that my my output's decreasing, and it goes ahead and tells the system, "Hey, come clean me off." Um, the the direct integration of uh, of the product workflow being passed right down to the equipment directly, and the equipment directly interpreting that, and directly giving status updates to the business system on, hey, this product ran, it did this, here's its performance specifications that it ran, all of that stuff, track and trace, all of that becomes totally integrated. Um, and so that's what we've, we see at Automation Fair when you go there. You see that total integration of, of everything. The, the islands are becoming very old and obsolete, so that's good to see. Cool. Well, again... Great insight and knowledge from Bill. You won't find anyone with uh, more knowledge, that is for sure. And now my new best friend, because he actually knows what Demolition Man is, and I assume <laughs> it's his favorite movie like mine. Um, this is awesome. Uh, we're going to take some time and contemplate the three seashells and how that actually works. If we ever figure that out, we'll let you know. The next, pod- next podcast, I'm sure Bill knows, but I'm going to give him some time to think about it. Um, again, thanks so much. Uh, this is great yeah, info, yeah. and uh, I'm sure we'll have Bill on again sometime because he just about knows everything. So appreciate it, Bill. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks. So that was uh, Bill Schmidt. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. He, is, uh, he has uh, more stories than anyone I know, and he can tell them so well. Uh, super passionate and knowledgeable about uh, a lot of these products and uh, not just with controllers and software. He knows a little of everything, even going in the mechanical world. So great to get him on the line and hopefully we'll have him on a little bit more. Uh, next up, uh, uh, we're going to transition uh, into uh, sensors and we'll have uh, a different perspective, a little bit further south in Arkansas, Shannon Salisbury. Um, he is... Uh, you know, going to kind of look at uh, some sensors that he saw at Automation Fair. Uh, so um, we'll get him in the line uh, right now. All right, everyone. We now have on the line Shannon Salisbury. Is that how you say it? Pretty close, Salisbury. <laughs> Salisbury. Um, so he is our uh, component safety and sensor specialist or technical consultant out there in Arkansas, specifically Fort Smith and um, Springdale. Um, Welcome. How are you doing? Doing great. So this time we're looking at talking about sensors. Now, these days, they're calling all this uh, smart sensors. Why aren't they dumb? Well, the the biggest movement in sensors these days is IO-Link. And I don't know how many people have heard of IO-Link, but... Essentially, what makes a sensor smart uh, now and in the future um, is IO-Link, and what that does is lets you put uh, so many of your sensors on Ethernet so you can get an incredible amount of information from your proximity sensors, your photoelectrics, your pressure sensors, flow sensors. So many types uh, can go right into your uh, PLC tree, and you can get uh, more information than you ever wanted out of a sensor so in smart manufacturing that's you know that's like the whole deal right getting data and information um and so this way you're getting as much information as possible from all your sensors connecting uh to your controller um i mean what do you do with all that information once you get it well specifically trying to 
prevent downtime, I think, was initially the biggest goal of these things. Everybody's short-staffed. Everybody doesn't have the the manpower and maintenance or engineering. And so if you've got sensors that will enable you to predict downtime or predict and know when to wipe the face of a sensor off and uh, to know uh, to not have to not have to know how to program it instead of uh, the sensor being plugged in and automatically programming itself once one has been done and saved into your PLC um, that helps with not not just the cost of downtime but just the not having to have guys as in-depth training as they used to would have to with some of these uh, more advanced sensors that we offer. Yeah, probably making everything a little bit more accurate. Uh, the whole point of like sensors, right? I mean, it's crazy you have these like massive facilities, high-tech facilities, and it all comes down to just wiping off a face of a sensor, huh? It could be as simple <laughs> as that. There's so many things that you can get back over link and with these smart sensors. You can, you can learn something from your uh, couch at home. Um, if you've got a problem, and it might be simple and something as simple as that, and you could uh, call in the office and say, "Hey, go take a rag, wipe this thing down, or decide that you need to put an air purge continually on this sensor if it uh, is a continual problem." Yeah, uh, that is just crazy to me, but it it makes total sense. And so uh, we're talking today, uh, really kind of looking back on the automation fair that was uh, the Rockwell Automation Fair in Houston uh, in November in 2017, and uh, looking back, and so. Focusing on sensors, what are like a couple of sensors that you saw uh, that Rockwell Automation put out or is going to put out uh, that you saw at the Automation Fair that uh, you think are is pretty impactful here uh, moving forward in 2018? Yeah, one of the one of the well, there's a couple of great ones actually, but one of the sensors that helps complete our IO Link line of sensors is in the proximity. Um, most people know that deal with our our proximity sensors that we have. A complete stainless body proximity. It's a stainless face and stainless body, which makes them great for really rugged um, steel mills, that kind of thing. Or they're also 1,200 psi washdown rated devices, so they're corrosion resistant and um, hold up to uh, weld field immunity and things like that. But the the line wasn't complete because a lot of times in in when you're doing metal forming and punch presses and those things, you need uh, smaller sensors to do dye detection and tooling type detection. And we just now got our eight millimeter uh, sensor released in that line, solid stainless eight millimeter. So it's smaller, it's all link capable. And so you can get the automatic device configuration from this guy. If it's been programmed um, in your, PLC to be normally open or normally closed or PNP or NPN, whichever one you want. Uh, if one gets broken in half by a forklift or smashed by a press, you just uh, put the new one on and it automatically sets the program to what it was before and uh, you'll be up and running. So that was a great addition to our line. We needed um, the smaller capability in that and plus I'll link uh, puts us where we need to be. Um, for future sensors. So you're saying that in the past they had to like, every time they had a new sensor put onto the line, they have to reprogram it? Well, if it was a programmable sensor. Most of these proximity sensors were not programmable. You had to buy it either normally open or normally closed or or syncing or sourcing. And and so you had a, could possibly have multiple sensors on the shelf instead of just one sensor and so you would, you know, this will also help reduce inventory because it huh. gives you the capability to uh, change it to something else in your plant. Um, so that is another big plus for the IO-Link capability of this uh, new sensor line. So are you, I mean, I guess that, uh, as a stainless steel sensor, I mean, does it work pretty good for food and bev? I'm, I'm guessing down in Arkansas you have a ton of it. Well, we are home of the chicken with uh, Tyson Foods and some of the other major poultry uh, customers that we have here in Arkansas. And, of course, they want IP69K hot water, high-pressure washdown, and these devices are rated for that, IP69K and the high-pressure washdown and the corrosion resistance, too, because they are stainless steel. And so very important, and this device definitely uh, fills that need. 
So when you're going into facilities, are you looking for applications where sensors will improve the process, or are you just trying to improve the sensor that's already there? Well, it could be both. Sometimes, you know, especially as a as a technical consultant or, you know, whatever we're going by these days, we get called in for problems, but we also get called in on new projects and we help people design equipment. And so I'm going to go in, if it's a problem, and look to, to improve upon what's there. But if I'm helping someone design a brand new product, I'm going to put them into something I know is going to be here for the future and that can also make their job and their customer's job much easier. Yeah, and so um, I know you mentioned the 873P ultrasonic sensors as well, something that you saw. What are the applications for that, and uh, what's so special about it? Well, the 870, Well, first of all, we hadn't had that long of a range of an ultrasonic sensor, so it, it gets us out to 6 meters, and so 19.6 feet, I think, if you're in the uh, American version of that. Um, but it, it's... Ultrasonics kind of fill uh, a kind of a void with certain sensors. Laser sensors are very color sensitive, and they're um, also, you know, moisture and certain things. They don't they don't play nicely with lasers, and and sometimes uh, photoelectrics just don't fill the certain need. But this new sensor, for me especially, like you said, we're in poultry here, and we've got a lot of tank level, and so we have a lot of large tanks, and our previous sensors just didn't have the range that I needed so many times in a tank level application and that's to me the best application for this there's there's tons of different ones but for me tank level because I can enclose these and control the environment for and for ultrasonics that's important they are sensitive to uh, wind and they're sensitive to uh, temperature change even though these are compensated it still will affect them a little bit but having this longer range, I can get inside of a larger tank or looking down from a ceiling at a, at a roll of steel to determine, you know, the, the web, if it's moving at proper speed. A lot of applications, but being able to get further away is a big thing. Beyond that, they are IP67, so they can get wet, um, and, and that's not the environment perfect for them, but they can get wet and get dusty and still be protected, but... They also are available with multiple outputs, so you can get them in uh, single PMP, dual PMP, analog current or voltage, which is great in a single device, or dual PMP with the current or voltage in a single device. So there's four different ones uh, in this long range, and it kind of completes our ultrasonic sensor line because we needed the long range. We've got a bunch of different offerings in short range, very accurate ultrasonics and they definitely have their their place in the sensor world and now we've got a great uh, finishing piece on our ultrasonic line so so why long range is that just so uh it doesn't get in the way or get like hit and well, wipe it off as much just as an example um i have a poultry manufacturer here that is, cooks the chicken after it's processed and we have an oil tank and if the oil runs out, it's a major problem, and it was it was messing up. Uh, there's some float type level sensors, and there's pressure. There's a bunch of different ways to do it, but it turned out the ultrasonic from the top of the tank was the best way, and and their tank was just a little too tall for what we had, and so this helps fill that gap there. We can look down, and when this oil gets to a certain point that we set, these are programmable, teachable. When we're in the window that it's green, that's great. When it's below that, we can send a signal that actually we're doing wirelessly from this tank to uh, the manager's office. We can say, hey, it's time to reorder oil, and they can get it there in time before they run out and stop production. So the long range is perfect for that particular application. That's awesome. So really anyone can make their whole process a little less dumb with uh, some of these sensors. Because that's the buzzword, smart manufacturing. Seems like sensors is a big part of that. Um, that's awesome. Uh, good stuff. Thank you so much, Shannon. Uh, good info and good stuff on the sensors. Thanks so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll be having you back on because uh, sensors, fans, they fascinate me. Well, we've got a bunch of great new ones coming out as well. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Shannon.
Thank you, sir. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to have the power man himself, Dan Messina, and our services guru, Austin Schnell, Austin from Nebraska, Dan from Kansas City. Uh, they know their stuff. They've been with us a long time, and they can make even drives and motors seem exciting. Uh, so stay with us, and we'll be right back. Cisco distributed through Tech Data for uh, all their support on all the podcasts that we create. Welcome back to the Connect Together podcast brought to you by the Industrial Solutions Network of CED. Um, you know, this episode, we're doing a little bit different. We're doing a bunch of interviews um, with our technical consultants and specialists around the country, uh, focusing in on things like, you know, drives, motors, motion, uh, services, uh, controllers, sensors, all that good stuff, and seeing what they found. Um, at the Automation Fair in Houston and what they see coming up in 2018. Um, so basically just doing quick interviews, uh, about 10 minutes each. Um, so hopefully you get a lot out of it. Um, you know, next person we have coming up is going to be Austin from Nebraska. Uh, he's our services guru, and uh, we'll get him on right now. All right, welcome back. We got Austin Schnell on the phone right now. Uh, he is our services specialist, technical consultant, whatever you want to call it, out of Nebraska. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excited to be here. <laughs> are you really, <laughs> or is this a forced a forced thing? Nope, volunteered all for myself, <laughs> put the handcuffs on myself. I <laughs> really appreciate it. So the services here coming up, um, a lot of what we're doing here on this podcast is recapping some of the cool things uh, we found out or saw at the automation fair uh, back in November in Houston. Now, being a specialist in knowing everything about services, right now the big buzzword and what's going on in the manufacturing world is smart manufacturing. Uh, there has to be some services out there that you've probably seen that uh, kind of relate to that, and uh, especially with everything moving in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. So there's two that I'd like to talk about today. Uh, the first one going along is called the My Rockwell website. Uh, so what this is is customer-facing. Uh, any of the services that you work with Rockwell on, you'll be able to view on this website. So if you have any equipment running through factory talk metrics or any of those types of softwares, you'll be able to view that in real time on My Rockwell. You'll also be able to see any of your current repair quotes, uh, the asset health of your equipment, and any of your install base evaluations, uh, basically the results that come out of that on this website. This is going to be expanded moving into the future. I'm pretty excited about it. There's a lot of new stuff you'll be able to do on this website. Yeah, one one complaint that people have always had, uh, kind of having all their Rockwell stuff in like a million different sites, right? You got a site for your your apps here. You got a site for your creating your bill of material. You got a site for searching uh, documents and files and products. And uh, I was hearing that this was something that kind of brings it all together as well. Is that true? Yep, you're absolutely right. Uh, that is a common complaint that we've heard uh, from the customers <laughs> for Rockwell, and this is their. Uh, attempt to uh, bring everything together, and so far it's looking like it's coming together very nicely. You'll be able to see um, any of your equipment asset health. You'll be able to get your software downloads. Uh, you'll be able to see what your equipment's doing on the plant floor, and you'll be able to access any of the knowledge base or Tech Connect support that you're used to on this site as well. So hopefully in the future this is going to be your one-stop shop for everything Rockwell Automation and anything with your smart machines attached on the plant floor. 
So, so with the IBE, you said that uh, everything you get. Well, we'll get to into the IBE here in a bit, but um, so all that's listed on there. So once you do the evaluation, all that gets listed on onto the, their profile of my Rockwell Automation. You're absolutely correct. So this is something I'm really excited about personally with the services sector piece of this. Um, as most of our customers know, when you do an install-based evaluation, some of the material that you receive out of it is a listing of what your product is on the plant floor, where it is, uh, the health of the equipment, and then also is this end-of-life discontinued active or active mature. Uh, and that will be listed out in a uh, very uh, intuitive way on the website. So one of the nice things is once you have all this equipment, you can begin to visualize what your exposure is on your plant floor to uh, when you go down trying to get new equipment, how difficult is that going to be based off of how much end-of-life equipment you have. Um, and actually, that kind of ties in really well into the uh, next service that's coming out from Rockwell uh, that I was hoping to talk about would be the new uh, modernization agreements that they are able to help with the customers on. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, what's the difference between a... IBE, installed base evaluation, where I'm assuming a customer would want to do to figure out if they need to modernize or, or I guess, depending if they want to, if they need to figure out if they need to modernize or what sort of products in their plant do they need to modernize. What's the difference between that and a modernization agreement? It sounds the same to me, but I'm a dummy, so. <laughs> no, no worries. You're absolutely right, though. Uh, so think of the installed base evaluation as the checkup at the doctor that lets you know uh, what's wrong with you. The uh, modernization agreement is the plan that you and your physician come up with to basically uh, prescribe and fix all of the issues that you're currently having. So a modernization agreement uh, from Rockwell can be very flexible. So kind of the scope of the agreement, we'd start out with an installed-based evaluation to get a good idea of what is on your plant floor and what your current exposure is. Once we have that, uh, the modernization agreement uh, covers the legacy Rockwell Automation equipment in end-of-life or discontinued life cycle stage. We can select the equipment that you need to upgrade, and your agreement will then be customized to include any pre-engineering of systems scheduled for upgrade, including the drawings, build the material, and the modernization schedule. Uh, we'll be able to go through any hardware and software, uh, program conversions included as well, so any of the old programs over to the new. Uh, configuration and startup will be done by a qualified field service professional, and the program management will be handled by Rockwell Automation at all times as well, making that much easier off of your plate. <laughs> I was just thinking, I love that analogy. It was just like, if we need to create a commercial, it'd be like, you know, ask your doctor if a smart sensor is right for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm gonna do that because <laughs> I think that works perfectly for the analogy. Um, so, so should does everyone need to do an IBE or um, or what? I mean, if you're any facility out there, are you supposed to be doing an installed base evaluation and then figuring out what's wrong with you, or is it just right for certain places? Sure. So my personal opinion is, and what I think most people agree with is that it's for everybody. It doesn't matter how big or small uh, your facility is, right? If you don't understand what's currently on your plant floor, uh, you know, a lot of things can stem from that. How do you know what effective stock to keep on hand? How do you know where uh, some of your product is as far as life cycle status? It just makes life a lot easier. And on top of that, it allows you to save money in the long run by having spares on site and having a plan put together for when that uh, end-of-life product on your floor eventually does fail. And that's uh, kind of what we're hoping to do with this modernization service agreement. Um, one of the nice things about it is that we will set out a time schedule that's uh, mutually agreed upon with you that basically says at certain points throughout the next couple months or years, depending on how large this is, uh, we will be coming in and swapping out the old equipment for new. So that could be over your scheduled shutdown on Christmas or Thanksgiving. Um, basically agreed upon points where we can come in and fix any and all of your equipment. The nice thing is also that while we're doing this, we'll be supporting you the entire way. So if you have some legacy PLC5 or some old 1336 drives on the plant floor that you can't really get support for because the uh, parts are hard to come by or the expertise is rather hard to come by, Rockwell Automation will currently start supporting you on this um, equipment until we get it swapped out. And when we do get it swapped out, uh, the equipment that is in there will also be supported by Rockwell, whether that be through repairs, extended warranties, field techs, or anything along those lines. So the goal is to make this modernization agreement as smooth and as painless as a transition for you and to make it easy for you to afford. 
so so I mean things are changing pretty fast out there in the world like new stuff new technology is coming to be so like you know how how quick do these sort of modernization acts or modernization agreements sorry uh go out of go out of date <laughs> do you have to do it all the time or I mean how far how far <laughs> in the future are you uh are you looking at this stuff yeah, no, that's a great question. So typically oh, thanks, in the man. past, you know, we've seen hardware uh, that has the ability to stay around for 20 to 30 years. Uh, with the way uh, technology is moving anymore, you know, uh, you're looking at 10 to 15 years. So these modernization agreements, the plan is get you on the new equipment and the new software so you're forward-facing for your company for the next 10 to 15 years or possibly more. Because likely, if you're still running off of your old PLC-5s or maybe your Automax drives, et cetera, this is a crucial piece of equipment that you really can't afford to have downtime on, and that's what we hope to uh, get around with this agreement so we can uh, have you with as little downtime as possible and keep you running and happy with the uh, transition. Cool. There you go. You got uh, Physician Chanel telling you you have to get an installed-based evaluation, then a modernization agreement, and then you track, view, and manage it on uh, MyRockwellAutomation.com. That is the prescription from Austin himself. Uh, I've known Austin for a long time. Great guy. Knows his stuff. Appreciate your time. I think this is all oh, good I info. I appreciate it. All right, thanks. We'll, well have to thanks get you for back on. me on, and hopefully we can uh, do this again. <laughs> all right, sounds good. All right, thanks, Austin. Thanks. Welcome, Dan Messina. So Dan Messina is his title is Power Technical Consultant, which is like my favorite title of all the consultants. It just sounds epic. I'm sure it's uh, you know about some boring topics like you know drives and and motors and stuff like that. But Power Technical Consultant sounds amazing. He's out of uh, Kansas City, uh, rents and house uh, locations, and glad he could make some time to kind of talk about. You know, what he found cool and new at the Automation Fair in Houston. Welcome, Dan. How are you? I am great. How are you, Justin? Good. So did you create that title for yourself? Because that is brilliant. Well, now that you say it's brilliant, I wish I had. Um, no, this, this actually, um, power technical consultant is really a euphemism for drive guy. Um, <laughs> in, in, in the past... Uh, this title, you know, this position was known as distributor drive specialist, but uh, you know, to, more, to be, yeah, yeah, I know. But to be more uh, aligned with the technical consultant strategy with Rockwell, um, CED has changed some titles around and, and now I become the power technical consultant. But on my LinkedIn profile, I put in, you know, parenthetically drive specialist because nobody knows what a power technical <laughs> consultant really is. Until now. Um, so, so your drives, I guess. And so, um, what did you see from the drive perspective at the automation fair? Because every year I see a new drive or a new feature on a drive and, and Rockwell automation gets all excited about it. And me not knowing much about drives, like they look the same, they feel like they have the same features and benefits. What there this time did, uh, you see that you wanted to get on this call to kind of talk about well, so, so let me stop you there, Justin, because I think it's important to have some context. Um, you, you're right. You know, drives do come out often, not, not exactly every year, but they do come out often, and firmware updates come out, and they do different things. I, I think from, from my point of view as a technical consultant, we're not so much worried about features and benefits. Our drive can do this versus their drive cannot do this. The, the, the real point is, why are we using a drive to begin with? What's the purpose? And, and really, the, 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 the simple uh, purpose is that we're using a drive to vary the speed of a motor for whatever process we're using, you know, whether it happens to be a fan or a pump or a, a conveyor or, or something like that. So I just wanted to kind of set some, some context before like we that. get too far down the road of, of saying, <laughs> you know, this is what's new because if it's, there's no context, who cares what's new? <laughs> Man, um, that power technical consultant name, that's, that's spitting some power right there. I like it. <laughs> um, so, 
what did I see at Automation Fair? Well, sadly, there's there's not a whole lot new under the sun um, in in Rockwell drives. There there are some very very powerful drives from from you know the compact versions like the 520 series, which you know have been out for a few years and very new or very very powerful, um, up to the 755, which is you know. Uh, very, uh, very powerful again, um, and in different ways. Uh, a couple of things that have happened though in the last year um, is that uh, Rockwell has released a 240 volt input version of the PowerFlex 750 series. Um, and I know it's not sexy, um, it, it, it doesn't really have legs, but for a, a lot of industries, um, 240 volt, um, especially in rural areas uh, or in agriculture, you find 240 volt systems. Um, and we had some limited options with PowerFlex drives. We, we either had to go back in time to a PowerFlex 70 or a PowerFlex 700, which are still you know active mature drives, but they're not our newest solution. So that was that was an effort to get the PowerFlex 750 series, our newest uh, premium drive solution, into the hands of customers that needed them in the 240 volt version. So, um, you know, nowadays everyone's talking, I've been saying this on all the interviews I've had so far, is smart manufacturing. Um, how do what they do and what they're seeing uh, integrate into, you know, making plants connect more and more intelligent? Um, what have you been seeing either from this or past uh, that you can integrate into their process? Well, that's a fantastic question. I bet so far you have heard something uh, a concept called the connected enterprise. Am I right? I have, yeah. Rockwell and talks about it a lot. You're right, absolutely. And <laughs> integrated architecture. Uh, you know, the PowerFlex drives. Um, uh, most PowerFlex drives you can you can integrate onto an Ethernet IP network. That is the network of choice that Rockwell chooses to use. Um, the idea with the smart machines, the smart manufacturing, the if you want to say, if you can see me right now, I'm making air quotes to say Internet of things, you know, as a generalized term. Um, the idea is that we're, we're putting all of our, our devices, you know, technically a drive is kind of a dumb device. We have to tell it what to do. It's got some intelligence built in, but we really have to interact with it. Um, we've got some some diagnostics that we can grab out of the drive, which is it's pretty important, right? Um, say, for instance, uh, we look at, uh, um, you know, like at the, the fan in a drive. There's, there's a fan in every single drive that helps it cool. Um, we can look at how many hours that fan has been running and how long that expected life is to be in the fan. Hmm. Now, again, that sounds pretty boring, you know, to most people. But if your drive fails in the middle of your process, there's a lot of people that are pretty excited about that. So if we can predict failure rather than just doing a, a arbitrary preventive maintenance, um, that changes the whole ballgame. Yeah, I mean, from, what I, from the few facilities I've been into compared to you guys, uh, drives and motors uh, may seem boring to some, but also seem like almost the most critical part of the process. Well, I'll tell you, it is part of the process that no one ever cares about until it's not working. <laughs> That's a good point. Man, so you are like uh, the insurance man of the facility. <laughs> well, that's, that's, a, that's, that, that's a really good point. I mean, the, the, the way I look at it is that, um, you know, a, a, a drive and a motor should be you install and completely forget about. You should, it should be something that you shouldn't even, even really care about um, you know, as long as it's where, you know, we've, we've applied it correctly, we've installed it correctly, we're doing whatever preventive maintenance and predictive maintenance procedures that we have to do with this thing. Um, if you forget about it, then, then my job's done. <laughs> That's a good point. So when you're going into these facilities, are you looking for applications that um, need a drive, a VFD drive and whatnot? Are you looking for existing drives that need to get upgraded to something that matters and is more connected? The answer to the, both those questions are yes. So, um, more, more often than not, um, we are looking at legacy migrations from, from older obsolete drives. We're looking at competitive migrations from, you know, from a, a competitor's point of view. Um, or we're looking you know, less frequently nowadays. We're looking at um, processes that are run by across-the-line starters or soft starters that now require some sort of speed regulation. 
So how many customers out there still don't still have these processes that need drives and they just aren't putting on it because for one reason or another? Is there still a lot out there like that? Uh, there, there are. Um, you know, a, a perfect example is like in, in water pumping. Um, you know, there's a lot of manufacturers out there that make like standalone skids that have like a, a reverse osmosis uh, water filtration system. They'll have a pump on it. Um, and they use an across-the-line starter to run the pump at full speed, and they use valves to uh, choke down the flow and, and adjust uh, flows and pressures, which is a really inefficient way to do things. Um, you know, that motor is drawing um, full power all the time, and then it, it's, it's, it's kind of like the anecdote of would you drive down the highway with one foot on the brake when your foot full on the gas to regulate your speed? And the answer is no, of course not. It's ridiculous. But if we're running a pump at full speed and using valves to adjust flow, that's exactly what we're doing. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, uh, I've definitely learned a little bit more. Um, appreciate that. Is there anything else that you saw um, you know, at the automation fair that piqued your interest, even if it wasn't drives and motors? Because um, as a power technical consultant, uh, I'm loving your, uh, your thought process and all this stuff. Well, I, I guess my first question, um, Justin, is there's something else besides drives and motors out there? <laughs> All right. On that, you are correct. Uh, good point. So, uh, no, there's not. It's just drives and motors. We already said it's the most critical part of the plant. Uh, <laughs> well, on that, hey, Dan, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Uh, your excitement to drives and motors is like no one else's. So I really appreciate that. And joining me on this podcast Thanks, Justin. I appreciate your time. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Dan. everyone uh welcome back and welcome emerson rap am i saying that right on the yeah, phone you're saying it right awesome yeah, absolutely so emerson is uh out of kansas city he is our ic or industrial control and mcc specialist consultant extraordinaire um from his words he says anything that clicks or clacks he's a specialist in so that sounds like a lot <laughs> yes, anything in the cabinet, pretty much, like, I want to have hands-on, too. So, yeah, no, you are got it absolutely right. <laughs> so, like everyone else on this, uh, you are the last one, I believe. And so you got to make this extremely interesting. You got to, if someone's still listening at the end of this podcast, if you are, congratulations. I respect that. Um, so... <laughs> We are talking a lot about um, what we uh, may have saw or uh, at the automation fair in November in Houston or kind of what we see as being important to let you guys know about uh, for 2018 coming up. Um, so, you know, I think you sent me a few things up front um, and you sent me a terminal block mm -hmm. and I'm like terminal block they order them they want a, either a green or a red or a gray one but it's a terminal block what's the deal oh yeah i mean well you're absolutely right justin most people don't put a lot of thought into you know what goes in their cabinet when it comes to terminal blocks but rockwell is offering this new product uh the 1492p edition and that's p is short for push-in because rockwell is able to see that uh a lot of assemblers, uh, they need something that's as good as the spring in the 1492L, but it's also fast to install and easy to kind of disassemble if needed. So that's where this push-in technology comes from. Uh, they see the future coming through where a lot of uh, panel builders, a lot of OEMs are using ferrules and are more and more being required to actually use ferrules. And so they thought this would be the perfect way to kind of uh, implement some of these new changes on the horizon too. So, yeah, like I said, uh, it's for anyone that uses ferrules, anyone that's like 
having trouble with vibration in their machine, uh, anyone that really wants to reduce installation time, because even with installing uh, ferrules on these wires, you're actually cutting down installation time by about 50%. And uh, even myself, that's really not as uh, a, a veteran panel assembler, I was able to quickly and uh, deftly install some of these ferrules myself into these new terminal blocks. So it actually has a lot of good components to it too. So really you're getting rid of, you know, expert panel jobs. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no, we're not getting rid of it. I think, <laughs> I think we're complimenting it, if anything, just because I know some people think, you know, they like screw, it's tried and true, but for the most part, if you ask anyone, there's always the threat of those, like, loose terminals and loose wires popping out. You know, sometimes it might just be one, sometimes it might be an entire row. This way, uh, once you plug it in, you actually get a nice, satisfying clicking sound, and you get that feedback, so it's not like going to be able to like just rattle out on its own. Like for me, I was, you know, pulling and tugging on these ferrules, pulling on these wires, and I was able to strip the wire first before like it actually failed. So it was a problem my fault <laughs> actually crimping on the ferrule. So the, the this is pretty good right here. And that's, you know, just kind of the start of it really. Is this something uh, innovative out there or is it just something new for uh, AB now on Bradley? You know, this kind of style has been around. Um, you know, you hear uh, like Phoenix and Wago, they have something similar to this. Um, AB before had uh, the spring clamp terminals, uh, but Alan Bradley took it one step further uh, with this kind of pushing terminal. And the reason why I keep saying pushing is because there's actually a plastic actuator where if you want to try to remove any wire, what you would do is just use your screwdriver, push on a plastic actuator. And so even if there's a possibility of a live wire, you're not touching anything metal inside of this terminal block, too. So it's additional safety precaution, too, that Alan Bradley was able to throw in. Awesome. So, I mean, I know safety and uh, spark manufacturing are what is coming up in 2018. So you hit one of those, safety. That's good. Um, oh. oh, go ahead. No, I was even going to say um, that was kind of the one big selling point on some of these terminal blocks, too, because, you know, the more times you stick a screwdriver somewhere, like there's going to be that, you know, potential of, you know, creating a spark or an arc somewhere within the cabinet. So it just eliminates one more thing. Awesome. And so, you know, you sent me another product that also goes in um, with the cabinet it's kind of it's a motor disconnect um you know i was reading quick about it it said something you know one of the differentiating features of this new motor disconnect is you know saving space it's a little bit a uh, smaller footprint in the cabinet so um mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about uh, the motor disconnect you sent me no you're absolutely right like the 194u non-fuse disconnect uh it's going to be a smaller footprint and it's available from 30 to 100 amps and uh it's actually going to be up to 125, but that larger one isn't going to be released for another few months, possibly to the end of March, end of April timeline. But these 194U non-fuse disconnects are coming out by the end of the month, this month of January. Yeah, I'm not sure when you're going to be playing this, but I figured I'd say January. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, uh, it'll, it'll be out eventually. That's all we need to know. We'll be we'll be good, sending this good. out here pretty soon. So, <laughs> and you know, it looked like another safety feature as well. Um, you said differentiating feature of lockout tagout. Was that not on these before? Well, with 194Rs, there's always the possibility to have lockout tagout on the handle. Uh, the good thing about 194Us, you can actually get additional lockout tagout once you open the cabinet door and actually lock it to the disconnect itself. So there's not that many disconnects um, out there. Um, well, I'm not 100% sure of any disconnects other than these that have that ability to lock out right at the disconnect itself. Interesting. So... Um... So we got a and, motor. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. And so, like, you have the added benefit of, you know, with the safety lockout tag out. Um, in addition to that, if safety is the big concern, it's still compatible with the 
NFPA 79 handle. That's the handle where you have to pull out and turn just so no one else can turn it huh. accidentally while they're working inside the cabinet. And it still uses um, any of the handles that you might use, uh, either in 194R disconnect or 194L. It's compatible across the board with these uh, already out there handles. So the good news is uh, there's safety everywhere on this disconnect switch. That's awesome. So two new mm-hmm. things that basically checks the box on safety because uh, I know everyone's, uh, you know, workforce solutions are a big deal for us trying to keep uh, – uh, all the resources, the main assets that anyone cares about in a facility, the people safe as possible. Uh, and these are just a few other ways to do it. Um, you know, this is a, a a really cool, quick sort of update on things that click and clack, I guess, that you saw. Um, <laughs> anything, else yes. to, anything else to add and tell people that you see coming up in 2018 and maybe even just some uh, some trends that you see in the click and clack I always think of Click and Clack, the car guys, if you hear that show. The car guys, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What do you have in the Click and Clack for 2018 other than this stuff? Well, I think the key thing is uh, you're going to see all these components that are going to be tied in not just either to the safety side of manufacturing and assembly, but you're also going to see all these components tie somewhat into the connected enterprise. I mean, with... Uh, some of these components, there's going to be a lot more information available. Uh, they're just going to be more resourceful for some of the smaller components and maybe some of the additional components you might need inside a cabinet for connected enterprise. So, you know, the smaller component gets, the more uh, you can fit in the cabinet, which that's when you can, you know, fit in that E300 uh, to get more information on each and every motor or, you know, be able to put in uh uh, a networking um, port within your cabinet too. That way you can get more and more information uh, to the operator, to the plant manager, to everyone that needs uh, to know what's going on with their enterprise. That's awesome. So we talked to five different specialists that have different focuses inside the plant and every single one of them was talking about how things are connected, how do you get data from different things, and how do they all work together. I mean, that's the future. That's where things are going, don't you see? And, I mean, every plant needs to get there. They're going to be a little bit behind. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Um, Emerson, thanks so much for your time. That was great. You made uh, me a believer in terminal blocks and how they matter. That's great. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm glad I convert you, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I love, I love and click and clack. So click and clack, the Emerson IC guy. That's what I'm saying. Thanks so much. Um, hope to have you on here in the future and to talk about more click and clack stuff. Hey, it'll be my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, great to have a bunch of these people from you know, all over uh, the country and different specialties within the plant. Um, cool to see what uh, they saw at the automation fair and what they see coming up in 2018 for the whole process. Um, interesting to see that uh, the most common theme is that most of the stuff they're, they're talking about is all about, you know, connecting things together, getting uh, data from uh, whatever that uh, sort of component is and getting that to the controller and making uh, uh, better decisions either either on the the co- controller side or on the people controlling uh, the process. Uh, really cool to hear all of that stuff going on. I hope you guys got uh, at least one thing from this whole podcast that you could either try in an application or know that you have to do an IBE. Um, or if you've already done an IBE, get a little bit more information on something like this too. Make sure that you're staying ahead of the curve, that you're that your plant and your process, that your job's easier, that you're producing stuff a little bit quicker and, and more efficiently. Um, we're here for you. Um, we're going to try to do more podcasts like this to get some information out to you guys. And really appreciate your time today. Thanks for listening all the way through. Hope it was informative. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to um, get a hold of us. You can email me at justin.brunken at ced.com. That last name is B-R-U-N-K-E-N. Until next time, we'll have a few more people, more to talk about. 
and we'll talk then. Thanks a lot. Later.